so much um, for that prayer and for that worship. Um, yes, my grandmother did pass away over the weekend. I was sharing on first service that when I first came to Cincinnati, um, in my first sermon that when I was in California last year, I got a call from my family um, right before I graduated saying that she had 30 days to live. And I was really upset because I didn't know if I would ever get a chance to see her on this side again. And, um, but God just really spoke to my heart and assured me that it was going to be okay. And it wasn't her time. And sure enough, um, I went home uh, Christmas time and got a chance to see her. And she still knew who I was. And so that was really just a blessing from the Lord for me. And he sustained her all this time. And uh, 93 years old. I have two grandmothers, uh, 193 and 199, who'll be 100 in September. And um, yes, um, they both have just been so instrumental in my life and in the life of our family. And um, particularly the one who passed away uh, was a pastor. And so I used to go to church with her and sit on the bench and listen to her preach and go home with her. And watch her do her Bible study, and she would teach me things, and so just um, a real blessing to my life. So we miss her, but we will meet again. So thank you so much for, for your prayers uh, on, on that matter. Our passage of scripture today comes from the fifth chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 33, and you can find it in your pew Bible on page 837. And it reads... Then they said to him, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, frequently fast and pray, but your disciples eat and drink. Jesus said to them, you cannot make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? The day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wine skins and no one after drinking old wine desires new wine but says the old is good let us pray Lord we thank you for the freshness of your word that today Lord there is meat and drink for us here in your word Father, we pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds through what you would speak to us today, Lord. May we continually be changed by the time we spend together getting a greater understanding of what you desire of us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, our topic for today is, what would Jesus do? And I know you've probably 
heard it or seen it before. Um, but it originated as the subtitle to a book by Charles Sheldon back in 1869, I think, 65. And the book was called In His Steps. And I was told after the first service that you can get it as a free book on Kindle now. But what would Jesus do? And so in this book, people would face certain circumstances, situations that would cause them to ask, what would Jesus do when he was facing this? How would he handle this? Became really popular in the 90s, and um, you would find bracelets and T-shirts and necklaces with WWJD. So it became just like a, a universal slogan among Christians. But if you really think about that phrase, what would Jesus do? I think there's a lot more power behind that than we sometimes realize. And I say that because... A lot of times when we think about what Jesus would do, we want Jesus to do what we would do. We want Jesus to conform to things that make us comfortable and that we think are okay. But how many of you know that Jesus doesn't often do that? So when I was looking at this chapter, the verses that lead up to what we're going to talk about today. I was just really intrigued by the things that I saw Jesus doing. You know, when he called his first disciples, he didn't go to the local seminary or to the local synagogue and say, who are your top students? Who's almost ready for graduation and who has gotten A's on all their exams? Because you would think this is Jesus. He would want the best of the best, the cream of the crop, right? But he didn't do that. Jesus went down by the Sea of Galilee, and he found some fishermen, uneducated, untrained, and he called them to follow him. Then the next few verses of scripture talk about Jesus encountering a leper. And if you know anything about lepers, lepers were ostracized from society. When they got this disease, they could no longer dwell among everyone else. They had to go and live somewhere else. And when they came in contact with other people, they would have to ring a bell and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. So the people would know they were in their midst. What must that do to your psyche to have to live like that? To have family who you love and miss and not be able to be around them. But on this day, he hears that Jesus is around. And he flings himself at his feet and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
And what is Jesus' response? I love it, I love it, I love it. I love that Luke says, not only does Jesus heal him, but he reached out his hand and he touched him. And I don't think Jesus did this like some of us would do. I think Jesus touched him. And what must that have felt like to somebody for whom human touch had become foreign? We know that Jesus could have just spoken the words and said, be healed and never touched him. But that wouldn't have been his style, would it? So Jesus reaches out and touches the unclean one. And then next we see Jesus encountering someone who's paralyzed. He couldn't bring himself to Jesus, but he had some awfully good friends. And Jesus was teaching and the crowds were pressing about him and they just could not find a way to come through the normal means to get him to Jesus. And so they went up on the roof of the building, pulled back some towels and lowered him down in front of Jesus. And the scripture says that when Jesus saw their faith, not that the man didn't have any faith of his own, but he couldn't do anything about it. When he saw their faith, he healed him and he forgave him of his sins. And then Jesus decides to call another disciple. And you know, there's this term that we use now that I think really fits what Jesus does all the time. It's called dumpster diving. You know that term? Dumpster diving. So Jesus goes dumpster diving and finds one of the most hated people in society, a tax collector. Interesting that next week is April 15th. But he finds a tax collector. And tax collectors for, were notorious for taking more than their fair share and overtaxing the people just to line their own pockets. And this is the person that Jesus calls and says, come and follow me. And he says, it says he left everything and followed him. Then we see him throwing this huge banquet. And I'm sure some of his tax collector friends were there. But so was Jesus. So we have four scenarios of things that Jesus is doing. Jesus is associating with the unclean people the imperfect people, and even calling them to be his disciples. 
And when questioned about it, he says that, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. So he made a lot of people angry. Because he wasn't doing things the way that they were accustomed to them being done. He was associating with people on the outskirts. See, Pharisees were separatists. And they didn't want to come in contact with people that would make them unclean. But Jesus didn't feel that way. So now you have a better picture, better idea of the kind of things that Jesus was doing. So as we pick up our scripture in verse 33, Jesus is being asked about fasting. And the Pharisees and John's disciples fasted regularly. And they wanted to know why Jesus' disciples didn't do it as well. And Jesus' response to them doesn't negate the importance and the role of fasting. But what he says is that this is not a time for fasting. To ask my disciples to fast now is like asking somebody to fast at a wedding celebration. Think about the weddings you've been to. There's all kinds of delicacies and there's music and people are having fun. And fasting requires that you abstain from some things. So to do that in this atmosphere of fun and celebration, Jesus is here. Not the time for them to fast. But Jesus always gives you a little bit more than you ask for. So he decides to explain a little bit more about what's going on and what he's doing. So in the next few verses, he gives two examples. One is uh, the example of patching an old garment with new material. And he says that, you know, you, don't, you wouldn't go out and buy a brand new pair of pants or shirt in order to patch an old one. Because if you do that, you've ruined a brand new piece of clothing and you put a patch on an old one that doesn't match. And in the same way, he talks about wine. And he says, you know, you can't take new wine and pour it into old wineskins. When you made wine, you would pour it into wineskins and, and wine would ferment and it would um, put off gases, and it would expand and contract, and it needed a flexible container so that it could mature. But if you put all, new wine into an old wineskin, the old wineskin would be dry and more brittle, and it wouldn't be able to give as the wine fermented. And therefore, eventually, it would burst, 
and the wine would be lost. So what is Jesus saying? He was making it clear that he could not be confined by Judaism. Not that it wasn't good, not that there weren't good principles to it, but he was so much bigger than that. He was so much more than their rules and regulations. He didn't come to separate himself. He came to be among the people. So as I thought about that, thought about my life and what it means for Jesus to do what he really intends to do. So maybe the question I need to ask myself is not what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing? Is he doing anything in me, through me, in you, and through you? When's the last time you touched a leper? When's the last time you hugged someone who didn't smell all that great? Or maybe you just avoided them. When's the last time you touched someone, spent time with someone who was emotionally, physically hurt, burdened? Because, see, we're really good with programs and giving people things. But when's the last time you gave of yourself? that you touch somebody who was unclean. It's challenging. Because we don't like to touch unclean things. We like to be holy. But when's the last time you spent time with somebody who didn't look like you, act like you, live like you, or think like you? That's what Jesus did. He hung around prostitutes and alcoholics. people with incurable illnesses. And he loved on them. Is Jesus doing that around you? 
When's the last time you decided to invest your life in somebody who didn't have all those prerequisite skills? Who didn't have all the right training, go to all the right schools, come from all the right homes? But you decided to invest your life in them to live life with them. And this one really gets me. When's the last time you brought someone to Jesus? I mean, it really cost you to go out of your way to bring them to Jesus. You had to sacrifice time in prayer just on their behalf to keep their name before Jesus because you believe that he had the power to sit, to heal and to save them. When's the last time you did that? So we pray for people for a while. We might even pray for you for a year. But if you don't get it in that year, we begin to pray for you less and less. We abandon you to the forces of evil. Say, ah, oh, they're not going to get it. I'm going to waste my time with that. But that's not what these friends did. They had a friend who couldn't help himself. And they did whatever it took to get him to Jesus. Who are you bringing to Jesus? And when is the last time you trusted a thief? and a liar. Yes, he, it says, scripture says he abandoned all to follow Jesus. But we know people aren't perfect. So we don't know that he was perfect from that point forward and never fell back into his sins. How many times have you fallen back into yours? But Jesus calls this liar and this thief to come and follow him. See, all these things are really challenging because it really expands my understanding and my thoughts about what Jesus would do. He doesn't put the stipulations on people that I often do. Then I ask myself, not what would Jesus do? Not what would, uh, is Jesus doing? 
But what could Jesus do? What could he do if I didn't hold him captive to my ideals? The way I think things ought to be done. The things that make me feel comfortable. The way they did it where I grew up. What could he do? What could he do if I went by a soup kitchen this week, sat down shoulder to shoulder with someone, and touched them? What could he do? What could I, he do if I understood that Jesus is like new wine? That needs to age and mature, it needs space to breathe and to grow. And if I didn't put it into a container that wasn't fit for it or him. So if I'm going to ask the question, what would Jesus do? I really need to understand what Jesus would do. And do that. Take a risk. Let some people in my life who don't look like me. Trust some people that I'm challenged to trust. Touch some people that I don't really want to touch. Are we shaking things up the way Jesus shook things up? Because we are his hands and his feet in the world. We're supposed to be carrying out his mission, not fitting him into ours. So for me, it's a challenging thing. I don't think I'll ever look at that phrase again in the same way. It won't just be this hip thing, bracelet, necklace, t-shirt that Christians wear. But it'll be a challenge to me to step up to the plate. To get out of my comfort zone. and to have an impact on the world around me. 
So once you take a moment, we're going to close our eyes. And I want you to think. Who is it? That God is bringing to your mind right now. That needs your touch. That's isolated. Hurting. Broken. Who is it? Who is it that today doesn't quite know how to get to Jesus themselves? Or maybe isn't even wanting to do that right now. But you know about them and you know what Jesus can do. Who is it you need to commit to bringing before Jesus? Making a sacrifice every day. To bring them before Jesus. Who is it you need to mentor? Take under your wing. And do life with. And finally, who is it who looks like they don't even deserve it? That liar, that thief, that you need to give another chance to extend an olive branch to. Who do you need to dine with this week? Lord, we just, we are humbled by the love you have for us. We are thankful, also oh thankful, that you dove in the dumpster and pulled us out. When we acknowledge we haven't done that as much as we should have for others. We've left them to find their own way. We haven't been willing to take a chance and to get ourselves dirty. We ask, oh God, this morning that you would forgive us. That 
Forgive us for not using these hands and these feet to lift someone else and to lead someone out of bondage. Lord, may your spirit bubble up inside us like new, fresh wine. And may we be like tender, fresh, brand new wineskins. Thank you, God. Thank you for doing what others didn't want to do. for making people angry. For bringing us a new way. May your love abound in and through us. As we seek to live lives that honor and glorify you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.